I've never been said hello to in so many wonderful ways. It is a joy and a pleasure being with you this morning, and I invite those that are able to stand as we share in a reading from the Gospel of John. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, let me say it again. Good morning, Central Christian Church. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Thank you, choir. Thank you, choir. I've learned a long time ago, stay in good graces with the choir. What a joy and honor it is for me to stand in this pulpit and to share, if just for a brief while, in the line of ministers who have been so instrumental in the life of not only this church, but in many ways the life of our entire movement. From one who has been very aware of the work of this congregation for decades of my life through the leadership of Glenn Burke and friendship with Michael Moody and David Shirey, from knowing your staff that are truly the best of the best, you are known and celebrated outside these walls as our denomination's polar star. Thank you. Thank you for your service of nearly 200 years to Central Kentucky and for your deep roots which nourish the entire disciple movement. To say the least, I am humbled to now stand in the line of those who have been called to serve in this faithful community. Let me start this morning by stating an obvious fact. You are a community in mourning. Just just last Sunday, on these very steps, you celebrated the departure of your wonderful pastor, David, and his incredibly supportive family. You said goodbye to them, and goodbye 
is never easy. And while David felt this was the right thing for Central and for his own journey in ministry, many of you would have been very pleased to have him stay for many, many, many more years. And I understand why. I've known David for over 20 years. He is an outstanding pastor. His work throughout his career has touched the lives of thousands of people. And in every congregation he has served and said goodbye to, they have mourned his departure. He is one of the uniquely gifted people that makes and keeps deep relationships wherever he goes. He is truly one of a kind. I am not David. You're going to learn this quickly. (laughs) I have served in the church for 40 years in a variety of settings. I've hopefully left them all a better place because of the work that we've been able to share together. But this morning, you don't really know anything about that, do you? So grant me a special privilege just for this morning only to tell you a little bit about who Doug Lofton is and why I think Central needs an interim minister. We're going to start at the beginning, and since I'm 66 years old, there's a lot to cover, but we're going to do this as quickly as we can. I was born in Peoria, Illinois, but I was raised in Keokuk, Iowa. Everybody knows where Keokuk is, don't they? But this is a town where four generations of my family served as business people, as town leaders, and as members of the First Christian Church. The last three generations of my family were small business owners, insurance. For a long time, I thought that would be my calling as well. My parents, who both turned 91 this year, were high school sweethearts. And God willing, they will celebrate 70 years of marriage next year. They both lived lives of service in the community and in the church. My mother was the first woman elder at First Christian Church of Keokuk. There is a sermon there. We're going to hear about that later. My father served in nearly every leadership role while also serving the broader church in regional leadership and at a general level. To say the least, they loved the church, and it still is, in many ways, the center of their lives. In fact, with the time change, they are sitting in the pew at First Christian Church at Keokuk right now, listening to the Sunday morning sermon. They were in the choir until they were 89. (laughs) Growing up in a small town in Iowa might be called a somewhat sheltered existence. My whole family was in town, both sets of grandparents, all of my uncles and all of my aunts. I could go pretty much anywhere I wanted to go, and there were eyes on me all the time, which kept me pretty much in line until I was around 18, and then I got out of town as quick as I could. I thought my growing up years were pretty much everybody's growing up years. After all, didn't Norman Rockwell paint pictures that represented life in Keokuk, Iowa? In seventh grade, I met a, a young lady called, with the name of Barb Harshbarger, a girl who had just moved to Keokuk from Louisville, Kentucky. She had red hair. 
She captured my heart. We were in choir together. We had a mutual love for music. Small rehearsal rooms. Thank goodness for that. In eighth grade, we had our first date. When I asked her for a second date, she politely said, no, thank you. Well, fortunately, that didn't keep us from being good friends, and by high school, we tried again. This time, it more or less stuck because this June, we've been married for 44 years. In 1974, I left Keokuk for the big city of Des Moines, Iowa, and Drake University, which had just turned over from being not only a place of a disciple seminary, but was still considered a disciple college. I don't think that's the case anymore. I was a political science major. While in Des Moines, I was invited to serve as a youth minister at Capitol Hill Christian Church, but I also served as an aide to the House Minority Whip in the Iowa legislature. I did both, and I was lucky enough to earn college credit as well for the work, so that when I transferred from Drake after the first year, that's another interesting roommate story, with just shy, I had just shy of two years of college credit. And then I moved to the next big city in Iowa, Iowa City and the University of Iowa. We'll learn, I'll teach you the fight song later on. It took three years to complete my last two years of requirements, and to say the least, I loved my time in Iowa City. I played in a rock band to pay for college, and I managed to graduate with a couple of different majors. During summers, I always had jobs, but... Every summer, I went to Rustic Youth Camp to work as a counselor for the regional church. And it was during one of those weeks that I realized I was being called into ministry. When I, when I got home to tell Barb and my family, no one was surprised. You see, it appeared I'd been pushing away the call for years in pursuit of a more predictable life in my hometown. After college, Barb and I were married at the First Christian Church in Keokuk, and we moved to Lexington, Kentucky, where I started school at LTS. During our time here, Barb worked at the Albert B. Chandler Medical Center. She was on the pediatric floor. She worked nights, and I served Millersburg Christian Church. One quick side note, my trial sermon for Millersburg was on their 4th of July picnic weekend at Cane Ridge, so my first actual sermon was delivered in the pulpit at Cane Ridge Meeting House. Upon graduation, we moved back closer to home, Barb was expecting, and I started service to the Yokefield Parish of Packwood, Iowa. How many of you know where Packwood, Iowa is? Yeah. Honest people. 200 people in town when everybody had company. And I served both churches in town, a Methodist church and a disciple church. We had a ball in Packwood. But we moved after three years because we were the Methodist church. The agreement was every three years we would rotate. So we had to find a job and we ended up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, serving Knoll Ridge Park Christian Church. Growing ministry there, purchased land, developed a master plan for the church on the growing edge of town. And in the nine years we were in Cedar Rapids, 
We absolutely loved and were loved by that congregation. And when we left, we had two children in tow with us. Our next move was further south, down to Nashville and to Woodmont Christian Church, where I served as its senior minister for 13 years. During our time there, we grew the church to around 600 in worship, developed a master plan for the campus, built the first two phases of it. I was also privileged to serve in community leadership and to serve on several general church committees and boards as well. From Nashville, we moved back north to Southport Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Our son was now married and remained in Nashville, but our daughter moved with us. She later married and lives 10 minutes from us. Three of our grandkids are in Nashville. Three of our grandkids are in Indianapolis. My wife is a happy camper. Our years in Indianapolis found us helping a church sell its campus, move further south into Johnson County, where the growing edge of the south side was happening. During that time, we also became an open and affirming church, and we changed our name once we reached that decision and became Tapestry Christian Church. I retired, I thought for good, in 2019. But then COVID hit, and as you know, when COVID hit, the world changed. And our travel plans were put on hold, and in the midst of that, a call to serve as interim to Middletown Christian Church in Louisville occurred. It was a different kind of ministry because of COVID. But I will tell you, I love my time there. We did lots of things to prepare the church for the calling of their settled pastor, and Brian Gerard has had a wonderful start to his ministry in Middletown. Well, this brings us 66 years forward to today. I am retired again. And we are living into our retirement with great joy. But God called in the guise of your regional pastor, Don Gillette, and this amazing opportunity presented itself. Let's be honest. Was I looking for this? No. Was I wanting this? Probably not. But am I thrilled that God brought us together? Absolutely. So the next question may be, well, why in the world do we need an interim pastor? We have a great staff. You do have a great staff. Elizabeth is the best. By the way, I know this. She was a youth at Woodmont while I was there. Really proud of her. You can say, we got lots of retired ministers. You can't throw a rock through this church and not hit a retired minister. We have lots of retired ministers who can preach great sermons. Why can't we just keep things as they are? After all, it's not going to take long to find a new minister, is it? Well, yes and no. You could probably do this without an interim, but you're going to wear your staff out. You might even get tired of a different person in the pulpit each week, and, and here's the real reason. Without an interim, you're not going to be able to take advantage of what this kind of transition can offer to a congregation after a lengthy ministry. You see, because I've come to understand that interim periods offer something to a church that most settled ministries have a hard time accomplishing. 
I'm not going to stay for a long time. Which means I can challenge you from day one to consider new ways of being church together. Now, this in no way means rejecting who we've been or who we are, not at all, but it does allow us the chance to dream some big dreams and to try to discover what God is inviting us to become, not just for the next year or two, but the next five or ten. Are you starting to figure out where the reading for this morning plugs in? I'm functioning in John's role. I'm not the end game. But I can help you prepare for your new settled pastor. And to do this right means we need to figure out where the church might be heading so that we can call the correct person with the right set of gifts to make sure you can get there. To that end, you may be starting to figure out why I'm here. It is my purpose and my intent to work with you to begin to uncover the gifts that God has already planted in this church, but not just for today's ministry, but for the ministry we're going to do five and ten years from now. And I firmly believe that churches cannot stay where they are. They cannot become too self-satisfied for long, or they begin to risk decline or even death. And while change, or even the conversation around change, can often feel risky, the greater risk is not taking the opportunity to do so. Why now? Why do this now when the church is in such a good place? Why do this when the church is so strong and vital? Because now is when the whole spectrum of options are available to you. If you were in major decline or if the church were on life support, your options would be extraordinarily limited. Your ability to dream would be minimized. But organizations like the church are best suited to do this when they are literally at their best. And this is where you are today. Now here's the beauty of an interim. I get to stir the waters. I get to ask the hard questions. I get to create some discomfort and maybe even a little angst. And to that end, you might get a little tired of me pushing you to consider these big questions about ministry, direction, and, and purpose. But here's the good news. You're going to outlast me. Several months from now, I'm going to pack up my suitcase, take a lot of that angst with me, and your new minister will have a clear vision of what they are being called to do without the baggage of the hard work to get there. Well, this is the ideal, of course. Of course. But I'm willing to give it my best effort because this opportunity may not come again for a long, long time. Okay, that's probably enough for today. But know this, for my entire life I have admired this church and I have come to love and respect everything you mean to this denomination. For me, it is our mother church. And I'm here to honor this ministry by offering you an opportunity to dream to plan and to discover not only who we are 
but who God is calling us to become. I look forward to getting better acquainted and I ask you to bring your dreams and your concerns to me because this is the only way it's going to work. And I covet your prayers. And I am praying for you. And I know that God will bless our journey together. Thanks be to God. Amen.